Hello and welcome to Grace Life Sir Lowry's Pass. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. So at Grace Life, we are currently looking at discovering Jesus. Discovering Jesus. What does it mean to discover Jesus? I thought about it this week and I would say that um, discovering Jesus is about how every person has a unique relationship with Jesus. Amen? Just how every, every person, how the interactions with Him is unique. How they came to discover the love and the grace of God. God's love and grace is revealed clearly to us through. How is God's love revealed to us? It is through Jesus. What Jesus did for us. We can all think back to a time in our lives when we first heard the good news about Jesus. For some it is a fresh memory. And for some... Some can't even remember. Some can't even remember like me. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up um, in church. But I got born again in my teenage years. I can't. I didn't write down the date. I just know I gave my life to the Lord. Or I decided, Lord, I'm a sinner. I acknowledge that. I believe in you. Yes. can remember it was in the bathroom though. I was sitting on the toilet and I just realized I came back from a, a, a meeting as a teenager, like a youth meeting like you have on Friday evenings. And I just realized, no, I need Jesus. And I said, Lord, I believe in you. Amen. And then um, for many of those years, I lived a very self-focused life, focused on myself and focused on my sin because... I don't know, was it because I didn't really pay attention in church, or was it because the, it wasn't preached, grace wasn't preached to me? I don't know. But for 8 or 10 years, uh, or say 8 or 10 years ago, um, a friend gave me some of Andrew Womack's material. Who knows Andrew Womack? We all know Andrew Womack, no? Yeah. Um, and I think that is when I decided to dig deeper to dig deeper into the Word and grow in my relationship with God. So I was discovering new things in the Word, like healing and the believer's authority, all of those classic Andrew Womack teachings, you know. Um, and it's interesting to think back on your life and think about the teachings and the things that you believed, and you wonder, how did I believe that? Some teachings we, we received while we grew up and... Um, it wasn't really scriptural, you know. I'm not saying Andrew Womack's stuff is unscriptural. I'm just saying, like, we all go through these phases of growth. We, we're, we learn new things. We hear new teachings. And if I look through the years or try and look through the years of my life, I try and remember and I look at what I believed and I was like, thank you, Jesus, for taking me step by step. Amen. And that is what I call discovering Jesus. It is through the years, it is relationship with Him, discovering Him. And um, so I spent my whole life in church, and then I got to about five years ago, 
or I discovered Andrew Womack's material, started growing, decided, okay, I'm going to pursue God. This, this seemed interesting to me. I, well, I went after Jesus. And then about five years ago, I came to Gray's life. And then my life changed radically, even more. Because I was a believer, but I was struggling with sin. I didn't understand grace. Okay, so I came to Grace Life, and I started discovering the grace of Jesus. Amen. And I want to challenge you this morning. Think about that. Think about your life as a believer. When was the first time that you discovered Jesus, that you discovered the good news, that someone brought the good news to you? And think about how, how you developed through the years, how you received teaching, how Jesus guided you. Amen. That is what, what discovering Jesus is for me. It is a relationship through the years. Amen. Amen. Think about any relationship and you will agree that it is a discovery. If you think even about like human relationships, it is a discovery. It is two people discovering each other. You discover what the other person likes and dislikes, how they spend their time, what they fear, you discover their strengths and the things that they struggle with. Amen. You get to know each other. You even you even get to know how this, the voice sounds. You can if if it's a crowd, someone can shout your name or your love or not your lover, your husband or your wife shouts your name and you you can identify that that voice. Amen. And if you see them in a distance, you know why even though you just see a shape of them. You can see the way they walk and how they carry themselves. <clears throat> so, it is a journey of discovery. Okay, you get to know each other. But all relationships start with an introduction. You meet the person for the first time and you shake their hand. Um, and it is the same with God. But He uses His children to introduce Himself to new people. Amen. Thank you. See, she knows what I needed. She knew exactly I was looking for water now. Let's look at Romans 10 verse 13. Awesome. You get to know each other so well that you only have to look into each other's eyes and you already know what the other person is thinking. But God needs us. He needs us. In certain situations, I think God will maybe miraculously show himself to a person in a vision. We've heard that Muslims and many other, <clears throat> other religions, they, they meet Jesus in a vision or in a dream. But in general, I think like 80 or 90% of the time, that's just a number I made up now, but he, he, he needs us as believers introduce other people to him okay Romans 10 verse 13 says for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him and how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent that is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of 
messengers who bring the good news. Okay, so who 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 has been sent? Who has been sent? You can all raise your hands if you're a believer. You have been sent. Amen. Amen. You have been sent. So you need to share Jesus. You need to we need to go out there. That's all preaching the good news is Amen. really. Is we are going out and we are introducing people to Jesus. People cannot discover Jesus and have a relationship with him if we who already know him do not introduce him to them. The sad thing is that many times his own followers do not know him that well. And because they do not know him very well, they do not represent him well. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because we don't always know him that well. We don't represent him well. And because they don't represent him well, people don't want anything to do with him. Because we misrepresent God, people don't want anything to do with God. Okay, I'm saying we, but I'm talking in the broad spectrum of Christianity. Okay? Not grace life. <laughs> Amen. Okay, imagine this. Emily and I come to you and I say to you, Hi, this is Emily. She is a very strict person. Uh, she is a difficult person. Uh, she always wants her own way. Uh, you have to be careful what you say and do around her because she will beat you up. <laughs> do you want to meet Emily? No one would want to meet an Emily like that. Amen. Thankfully, the truth is no, that is not the truth. Amen. The truth is, Emily is the nicest person you will ever meet. She is a loyal friend and she always encourages people and goes out of her way to bless others. That is the truth about God as well. God loves people. But sometimes we introduce Him to people and we come with rules and regulations. You have to stop this. You have to stop that. And then those people, because they are not willing to give up what they are busy with. They don't want anything to do with God. They think life is going to be boring. They think God just wants to control me. God just wants to do wants me to do this and this. And I have to live holy. And I have to. It's, it's all just too much for me. And then they don't want anything to do with God. Amen. <clears throat> this is many times the message that people get when some Christians introduce God to other people and then we wonder why they don't want anything to do with God. Many times people don't want anything to do with God because the idea they have of how He is, is wrong. And that's so sad, isn't it? They are believing a lie about God and that lie is the only thing that is keeping them away from Him. They are not rejecting the true God. In fact, they are not rejecting the true God. They are rejecting the false idea of God that is being introduced to them. They are rejecting the wrong representation of God. If we represent Him accurately, they might gladly accept Him. If we represent God accurately, people will accept Him. Amen. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And another verse, I'm not sure where it is now, says, The goodness of God 
leads men to repentance. Not the judgment or the, the power or anything like that. It is the goodness of God that will lead men to repent, will lead men to change the way they think about Him and then come to Him. David says here in Psalm 34 verse 8, Taste and see that the Lord is good. If you don't believe me, taste and see for yourself. That is what David is saying. Tasting and seeing is a personal experience. It's personal. You taste. You experience. This is an invitation to come personally. Don't go with what people say. Come and experience for yourself. And then you will realize that God is good. Because that is what the scripture says. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That the Lord is good. If we who represent God have not tasted and seen that He is good, then what we bring to others also won't be good. If we haven't even tasted. We just go through the motions. Amen. And I must say, a few years ago, I too haven't really tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Because you only taste and see that the Lord is good when you know His grace. Amen. I was in law. I was in doing things. I was focused on myself, focused on sin. So I hadn't tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So what I brought out and the God that I introduced to people wasn't as good as I thought He was. Amen. But He is much better. Okay, so Shane uses this example of a chocolate cake. I don't know if you've ever heard the example. Who of you likes chocolate cake? I love chocolate cake. Imagine the most amazing chocolate cake. It has three layers and every layer has caramel in between it. Think about it. I want your mouths to water. On top there is a thick layer of icing with sweet red cherries on top. And maybe slices of bar one or what do you like to put on your chocolate cakes? And caramel on top as well. The frosting is just like around the side and the caramel is thick on top. But now, imagine there's a little bit of dog poop. A little, just, just a little bit. Just a tiny, like a, the size of my fingernail size of dog poop mixed into the cake. Will you, will you, it's just a little bit. Would you want it? Why not? <laughs> Would you like a slice? The little piece of dog poop is whatever we, whatever we add to grace. It is Jesus plus this, or Jesus plus that. Whatever we add to the gospel. Listen to what Paul said to the Galatians. Galatians 5 verse 7. Galatians 5 verse 7. Grace is that beautiful big chocolate cake. And the little bit of dog poop is whatever we add to the gospel. Galatians 5 verse 7 says, For you, sorry, you were running the race so well. This is Paul speaking to the Galatians. And remember the Galatians, they got stuck in law. They were saying it's Jesus plus this law that you have to keep. In that, in that time it was circumcision. Okay. 
uh, you were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. For He is the one who called you to freedom. Freedom, not slavery to the law. Freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. What is yeast? The seedier. So today we like yeast because it makes our bread bigger. But in those days they ate flatbreads without yeast. Because they were Jewish. Like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Okay, so someone was in the Galatian church, they were bringing in law. That was the false teaching that he was talking about. Someone was bringing in, you have to, Jesus plus this. And that he uses this picture of the yeast, the seedier in the bread. The yeast in the bread, the seedier in the bread. That little bit of yeast comes and it infects everything. Amen? It makes the whole the whole message ineffective. Okay. The problem in Galatians was that they were mixing the grace of God with keeping certain laws. They were saying that to be saved you need to believe in Jesus, but you also have to keep this rule and that rule. Our biggest challenge is that we focus on performance. It's the same today as in the days of the Galatians. We focus on performance. We focus on our personal performance and we focus on the performance of other people. Why? Because that is how the world works. Amen? That is how we grew up. We grew up in a world that focuses on performance. If you don't perform good, then you get fired. Amen? If you don't do your work at work, you get fired. Okay? If you perform good, then people say you are good and they reward you. If you don't perform good, then people say you are lazy and bad and they condemn you. To condemn means they say you are good for nothing. Okay, So, do good and in the, in the world's mind, you are good. Do bad, then you are bad. Okay, Now we take that thinking and we apply it to God. If I obey all of God's laws, I am good and He will bless me. If I disobey God, He is going to be angry. And he might punish me for doing wrong things. Amen. Is that God? No. No. Our Christian lives become heavy. There is no joy. It's just about right and wrong. Not sinning. Living holy. Fear of punishment. So there is no relationship with God. That is. Can you have a relationship with a robot? No. You can't have a relationship with a robot. A robot is like you have to do certain things. Put in the coin, pull the lever, and then you will get a result. But that's not relationship. Amen? But people see God that way. If I do this and this and this, God will do this and this and this for me. Okay? God's not a robot. He wants relationship. Matthew 11 verse 28. Matthew 11 verse 28. Then Jesus said, Come to me, 
all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. The heavy burdens that Jesus was talking about here is the burden of keeping the law. He was talking to Jewish people, remember this. He was talking to Jewish people who were heavy burdened with the law. Okay, So the priests and the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, the religious leaders of those days, they, would, they added a lot of extra laws to the Ten Commandments. And they were, they were the, lead, the spiritual leaders, so like you guys, you, they were expecting a lot of rule keeping from, from, from the church in that day, from the Jewish people. And then Jesus comes and he says, come to me. Come to me. Because all I require from you is faith. Faith in that you believe in me. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear. It is not burdensome. And the burden I give you is light. Okay. Let's look at 1 Peter 1 verse 13. 1 Peter 1 verse 13. 1 Peter 1 verse 13. That's at the end of your Bible. Okay. 1 Peter 1 13. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Okay? So here is a Bible verse that often confuses Christians. They say, look here, God is a holy God. He hates sin. We must confess. Uh, we must be obedient. We must, hope, we must live holy lives. We must live holy because He is holy. And then they try their best to stop sinning. They do everything they can in church. They, they go to prayer meetings. They pack out the chairs. They, on the worship team, they, it's just works, works, works. Okay? Um, they study their Bible. Go to every prayer hour. They go on outreaches. Anything you can think of. And then they feel that now God is happy with them. Now, now that I've done all of this, now God is happy with me. Now He will accept me. Now He will hear my prayers. Amen. Until they sin again. And then they feel so guilty and they feel so bad. We just get some help. Eh?
wait for me. I think everything's okay. Okay, wonderful. Okay, so then they sin and they feel so guilty. They feel bad. No? They fear God because they are expecting His judgment. They think God is going to punish them. And that is all the fruit of someone that relates to God by works, yeah. by doing things, by performance. All of those things that I mentioned is good things. It's good to go to church. It's good to be part of the family. It's good to be obedient. It is good to live holy. But what matters is the reason. The reason why you live holy and why you obey God. The motivation. And then another thing that matters is what you do, what you think you are going to get when you are holy. When you obey God. Okay? For many people, the driving force is fear of punishment from God. And what they think they are going to get as reward for obedience is that God is going to give them what they need. He is going to answer their prayers. Some Christians live with a fear of judgment. This was me. Okay? I'm talking about myself here. Um, I had a fear of judgment, a fear of losing my salvation. You will see people who, who, who constantly focus on their actions. They, they always think, oh, did I do something now that now I lost my salvation? Amen? Have you ever met these kinds of people? Maybe you were there yourself. Yes. They think that their sin puts them in danger of going to hell. If they do not confess their sin, so they try to make their performance better, do more things for God. Or make up for all the things, all the bad things they did. Isaiah, Isaiah 64 verse 6. Isaiah 64 verse 6 says, We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, our righteous deeds is our good deeds, eh? they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. This scripture says clearly that even the best things that we can do for God is like filthy rags. Even the best things that we can do is like filthy rags. Our most holy deeds cannot save us or earn us anything from God. Do you agree with me? Our most holy deeds cannot save us or earn us anything. Can you earn anything from God? No. So what now? What is the answer? We know that it is good to live holy and it is good to be obedient. Amen? That is good. It is good to be obedient. It is good to live holy. And like I said, it is the motivation. The motivation, the reason why is important. What do you think? What should be the motivation of a holy, obedient life? Jesus? Yes? Jesus. Let's look at a scripture, at the scripture in 1 Peter again. 1 Peter 1 verse 13. <clears throat> so prepare your minds, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. And then especially this part. Put all your hope 
in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as hope, as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. What is the source of holiness? God. Amen. Peter is reminding them not to go back to their old ways of living. Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. That is verse 13. And he urges them to do that by putting all their hope in Jesus and with and in what Jesus has done and will complete when he returns. Okay? Also notice how he says, you did not know any better back then. So he is pointing them to something that they now know and believe that they did not know and believe in the past when they didn't know Jesus. And I believe he is just pointing them back to Jesus. Amen. He is reminding them to turn their focus back to the grace of God, back to what Jesus did for them. We see this in the next verses. 1 Peter 1 verse 17 1 Peter 1 verse 17, And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge you or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of Him during your time here as a temporary resident. Verse 18, For you know that God has paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver. Pay attention to this, guys. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It is the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose Him as your ransom long before the world began. But now, in these last days, He has been revealed for your sake. Okay, so verse 17 can sound a little bit confusing, okay? But that where he says he will judge or reward you according to what you do has nothing to do with salvation. Okay? It's nothing to do with your salvation. But what I want you to focus on is what Paul, what Peter says in verse 19. That Christ has made us free. He has cleansed us. He has made us spotless. He bought us with his precious blood. Jesus was chosen as a ransom for us long before the world began. Do you see how Peter is pointing them back to Jesus? Verse 21. Verse 21. Through Christ you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God. Because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Okay. So Peter reminds them that God has already made them holy. He says they were cleansed from their sins when they obeyed the truth. Here we get the word obedience again. They obeyed the truth. Okay. It 
is in verse 22. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the law. The truth. So now you must show sincere love. And then he goes on. What is the truth that they obeyed? What is the truth that they obeyed? Do you know? The truth that they obeyed is Jesus, but be more specific. Made us free? Yes, but what? Why? How? How did we obey the truth? Yes, who said that? We believed on Him. That is what it means to obey the truth. We listen to the gospel, we believe the gospel. And in that way we obey the truth. The answer is in scripture verse number 21. Number 21. Through Christ you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God. Because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great authority. That is the gospel in a nutshell, in a sense. So you obey the truth when you believe the gospel. Okay. And God made them holy just like He is holy. God has made you holy. Do you believe that? Amen. Do you believe that you are holy? Amen. Can you say, I am holy? I am, I am holy. holy. And what if you just did a sin? What if you just did something wrong? Can you, can you say to yourself, I am holy? I am holy. Amen. Amen. Apply that the next time you, you make a mistake. Do that. Yeah. Remind yourself of the truth. Because sin is a lie. Amen? Amen. The devil is a liar. And he wants you to believe that you are not holy. He wants you to believe that you need to do a lot of things now before you can come back to God. Because he just wants you out of contact with God. He just wants you to run away like Adam and Eve ran away from God. He just wants you not to be in relationship with God. Because the devil knows that when you are in relationship with God, then you are free. And when you are in the truth, you are free. Amen? Um, we don't have to focus on our performance. We do not have to think or worry about sin. Because that has been sorted out. We have to believe that. We have to believe that sin has been sorted out by God, sorted out by Jesus. Amen? The motivation for living a holy and obedient life is the love of God. Stop trying to obey the law and expect others to obey it as well. Obey the truth by believing the gospel. I found this beautiful story this week um, that explained what true obedience looks like. Okay, so I'm going to read it for you. Listen carefully. The other day I was walking with my two little girls. It's not me. I don't have little girls yet. It's, it's uh, not yet. It's uh, another man named Paul Ellis. He wrote this. Paul Ellis. The other day I was walking with my two little girls to a playground. We were walking along a road that is sometimes used by goods vehicles. My girls were ahead of me and with all the noise and excitement they didn't notice a van approaching from the right. In a loud voice, I told them to stop, and they did. 
like good kids. They then instinctively looked to the left for the vehicle, only they could see no car. They were both straining so hard to look left that they were not aware of the van approaching on their right. At this point, each of my girls faced a life-threatening choice to walk by sight, I see no car, or by faith, but daddy told me to stop. That's, that's key. At this point, each of my girls had a life-threatening choice. Walk by sight. I see that I don't see a car. I can go over. Or walk by faith. My dad told me to stop. Amen. They were itching to get onto the playground, but thankfully their trust in me kept them safe and still. Well, to be honest, the younger one needed a bit more encouraging. But you get my point. They obeyed me because they trust me. Okay. Do you see? Obedience follows trust. Obedience follows trust, which go hand in hand with love. This man's girls knew that their dad loved them. And because they knew that he loved them, they trusted him even though they did not understand in that moment why their dad gave them the command not to stop and not run across the street. If they did not trust their father, they would have run over the road and they would have been killed. No? So trust leads to obedience. And distrust leads to disobedience. But where do we, how do we grow in trust with God? Who said what? To obey Him. To obey Him, yes. But we will obey Him when we trust Him. Okay? But to grow in trust with God is only by relationship. Amen? It is only by seeing how much He loves us. Okay. Many times we want people to change their behavior. No, we do want that. We want people to change their behavior. Especially if we love them. And we see they are doing things that is destroying them. Things that are leading them down the wrong road. We want people to change their behavior. We want them to stop doing the things that we know is bad for them. Things that we know is hurting them. Things that could even kill them. And we urge them to stop doing these self-destructive things. But they just keep doing it. And, and it is as if they don't want to hear anything we say about God. What is the solution? The solution is not, hey man, stop when I could but you do hope, hope, That is not the solution. The solution is not to point to their sin. The solution is to point them back to Jesus. Amen. Amen. It is to do like Peter and Paul did. They pointed people to Jesus. They showed people the love of God. Because the love of God really it it sounds so we know this. It sounds like we know this. No? The love of God is the solution. It really is. Amen. But it's great that it is that simple. Love of God leads us to repentance. Yeah. The, the love of God leads us to repentance. I know from personal experience that focusing on sin and telling people to stop it never achieved anything. It, is, it did not help me, so why would it help anyone else? So why continue doing that? No? The solution is to look to Jesus. And I'm almost at the end of my message. But I see I'm making good time. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. That is John 15 verse 9. John 15 verse 9. 
very important scripture. As the Father, is Jesus speaking, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. What do we do? Remain in his love. I read a quote for you from Paul Ellis, the same guy that wrote the little story I read for you. He says, Jesus says, remain in my love. Abide. Dwell. Stay permanently in my love. Sink your roots deep and let nothing move you from my love. Think about these words. Let nothing move you from the love of Jesus. Look to the cross. You already have my love. Like I said when we started the service, God's love for us is constant. And it is always there because Jesus died on the cross. Amen. That is the evidence. Look to the cross. You already have my love. Everything else will fail except my love for you. My love is the one constant that will hold your world together if you receive it. So receive it. Bask in it. To bask means like, you know those akadesa batanisonsa? To bask is to, to sit in the sun and to just receive, to feel the heat of his love like an akadesi or piklip. Like a lizard sitting in the sun that's basking. Yeah. Um, bask in it, bathe in it, swim in it, and stay in it. Okay. The more we meditate on His love for us, the more we receive it for ourselves. Make it personal. Truly believe it. The more we see, uh, we see how much He loves us, the more we are going to trust Him. And the more we trust the more we are going to obey. I think that obedience, to be an obedient child of God, we shouldn't even think about obedience. We shouldn't even think about it. It should come completely naturally. Because you know that Jesus loves you. You trust Him. You know that He has the best for you in mind. Amen? And then it is natural to do what He expects of you. Amen? It's natural to do. You don't even think twice about doing something for Him. If His Spirit puts something on your heart, you do it because you know you can trust Him. Amen? But there is an element of self-sacrifice as well. If we go back to 1 Peter, um, 1 Peter 1.13, it says, Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Okay, prepare your minds for action. It's not about doing things, keeping laws. It's about preparing your mind, setting your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. And what is the things above? It is how much Jesus loves you, what Jesus has accomplished for you already. And exercise self-control. The thing is, we are humans, and humans have free will. With the Spirit of God in us, we have the power to make right decisions. Amen? Amen. Because sometimes our flesh isn't going to want to obey God. <clears throat> but the more you prepare your mind, the more you set your mind on the things above, 
the more you see His love for you, it will be easy. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 2 verse 8, I'm finished. I just put two scriptures down here that also just blessed me. Maybe I'll preach on it, but let's see. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, God saved you by His grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you have done. So none of us can boast about it. None of us can be proud of the good things we do because we are not saved by those things. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. He enables us to be obedient. Amen. Amen. Romans 4 verse 13, the last scripture. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. Listen to that. God's promise was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is, verse 14, if God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. What is faith? Faith is trust in Jesus. And where does trust come from? From seeing his love. Amen. Amen. So it is love, trust, obedience. Many times we want to start with obedience and then it is obedience with the wrong motive. Love, trust, obedience. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website www.gracelife.ca and if you're ever in the Solaris Pass area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.